Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We are currently in the midst of a giveaway. So if you aren't part of our Facebook group, hop on over there to enter the giveaway. You're just gonna share this podcast with a link to a friend or on your social media or a link to a specific episode that you like and just share that and then screenshot the text, the post you did or the story, the messenger, however you sent that over to a friend to share. We just want you to screenshot that and post it in the Facebook group on the specific thread for week two giveaway. And so this ends tomorrow and you can enter more than once. Every share that you do gets you another entry. And then we're going to start our last week of giveaways on Monday. And we are so thankful for each and every one of you that have listened to the podcast and have shared already. So in the last episode, what we did was we went through a vignette, a story that kind of helped us to understand a little bit more of how perfectionism might creep into your life and then how it might expand and then make your life even more difficult as it progresses on. Today, what we're going to be looking at is trust issues, specifically with a negative belief system of I cannot trust anyone. And just the same way we went through perfectionism, we're also going to go through this idea of I cannot trust anyone. So let's talk about little Jenny. At age eight, little Jenny, full of enthusiasm, shared her biggest secret with her best friend, believing in the sacred code of playground promises. But by afternoon, the secret was out and the schoolyard was abuzz. Heartbroken, she thought, I can't trust anyone. From that day, Jenny kept things close to her chest, hesitating to share toys or stories, always guarding her little heart from the risk of another betrayal. So one of the things that happened here is it wasn't just some peripheral figure in her life. It was her best friend, her closest person. And likely what developed from that thought process is if she could do this to me, anybody could. So then she developed this belief that I cannot trust anyone because my best friend did this. So any friend that's even remotely close to that, any person who I don't know at all, they could do this awful thing and break my trust in that way. And so then she started to just kind of distance herself from everybody at a young age. In psychology, we have a term for this. It's called betrayal trauma. She was betrayed by her best friend and then now struggles with trusting anybody after that. A lot of times we can see betrayal trauma happen when people uh, find out about an affair It causes your world to basically be upended, and you're really trying to reevaluate what is true, what is not true in the world. And things that you were firm on that you used to think you know were correct, now you're questioning that. I don't really know if that's correct anymore. 
just because now all of a sudden, everybody in your mind can suddenly be suspect. Now, one of the things that we're doing here with these two different vignettes that we're doing is we did intentionally pick ideas or concepts that are relatively benign, something that it's likely that anybody could have gone through. It's not a giant major trauma. But the important thing to understand is that you don't have to have a major trauma for it to have a major negative impact in your life. It can be a relatively small thing, and that relatively small thing, if not managed, if not worked on, if not corrected, can make your life much more difficult. And what begins to happen is she begins to overgeneralize this to her best friend did it, so now I cannot trust anyone, right? That's what Tim was talking about, that she thinks, because this closest person to me, who I should be able to trust with everything, was not trustworthy, then why would this other classmate that really doesn't mean as much to me keep my secrets if my best friend could not? So she begins to overgeneralize. But even in this vignette, she starts to overgeneralize to not just important secrets, but even toys or just everyday stories that she begins to hold close to her heart. And you'll see as she gets older and older how this overgeneralization can really play out and how the people that come into your life later are really paying for the sins of people from the past. And what's happening here is that she learned the wrong lesson from this negative experience. The lesson she should have learned is this person is not trustworthy. But what she took away from it was all people are not trustworthy. So now we're going to skip along. Now we're at age 20. Jen entered her adult life with the mantra, trust no one and you'll never be hurt. In college, when group projects were assigned, she would subtly steer the team so she could work on most parts alone, fearing her peers might let her down. Romantically, relationships were short-lived. She feared vulnerability, always waiting for the other shoe to drop, anticipating betrayal, even in the kindest of gestures. Friends would often say, Jen's great, but she really never lets you in. And this is a great example of that idea that people now are paying for sins of the past, right? Her best friend hurt her, and it is understandable. But now, future friends and future possible best friends are paying for what happened to her when she was eight. Or maybe she's not even allowing people to even be her friend or best friend. And so what really started off as a protection for her, right? She got hurt. She was betrayed. She doesn't want to feel that again. So she started to protect herself. Now is detrimental to her friendship. It's detrimental to her social life, which also affects her mental health. And now it's no longer protecting her, but it's really hurting her. And again, a good healthy response in that beginning stage would be to maybe distance yourself a little bit from that initial friend who had wounded and hurt you. Not necessarily to cut off the relationship altogether, but then being more cautious with that specific person. Now coming up into this 20-year-old phase where she has this idea of trust no one and you'll never be hurt. Unfortunately, that statement is just not true. That's not how it works. She has erected for herself a paper castle. It really doesn't afford her protection. She believes it gives her protection. But if somebody let her down in that way or broke her trust in some way, shape, or form, if they were able to somehow get some understanding or information on her, it would still hurt just as much as if she had intentionally let that person in. So she's not really actually protecting herself from any type of harm. But what actually she's avoiding is actually connecting and the benefit you can get from connecting with people emotionally. So she's not getting any benefits of protection, but then she's also getting the negative downside of being isolated as well. So now we're going to move on to age 40. 
Jennifer, a successful professional with a life many would envy from the outside, has built a fortress around her. Colleagues respected her for her independence, but were often met with a polite yet firm distance if they tried to get too personal. Her relationships with neighbors were limited to curt nods. Family gatherings were tactical. She'd attend, but always with an exit plan. Jennifer's few friendships were long-standing, but even they lacked depth, as she would divert personal questions and rarely divulge her true feelings or experiences. The belief, I can't trust anyone, had isolated her in a tower of her own making. So similarly to the perfectionism, having this idea that you cannot trust anyone is also just very isolating, where you're not really able to connect with anybody Because in order to connect with people, you have to let them into your life, let them into your deeper inner thoughts. You have to be vulnerable with them. But if you don't trust them, then you're not going to be vulnerable with them. I actually had somebody one time tell me that they tell people things that are seemingly vulnerable, but that they actually don't mind or don't care about. So they're actually not being vulnerable, but they're playing the role as though they are being vulnerable in order to make the other person feel like they're getting to a deeper level, but then they're still maintaining this level or this sense of protection. And again, for that person who's doing that, you're not really creating these relationships. The other person may perceive that they're connected with you, but then you're not really connecting or feeling the emotional benefits of doing that. And when we think about boundaries, boundaries can be a brick wall. It can be a wrought iron fence, a white picket fence. But you want to have a gate or a door in there. Because like Tim said, it's like this castle or this fortress that you think is protecting you but really you're being isolated and trapped in. And so when you set up boundaries, you want to have this gate because you can let people in as you feel that they're safe or you can escort them out when you realize, okay, this person was not safe. And I think an important thing to know about this is when you're entering into a new relationship with somebody is that each new relationship does involve a certain level of risk. And in order to connect with people, you are going to have to risk getting hurt a little bit. Not that you're guaranteed to get hurt, but you don't know them. And so as you're developing a connection and a better understanding of who they are, there definitely is that possibility. Oh, for sure. And so you want to make sure that you're being wise in this. And I had a client that we were talking about this and we were talking about boundaries and kind of setting up a picture of what hers looked like. And it was so interesting because we had done this before we had done EMDR and it was this wall. I don't even think there was a gate or a way to go in or out. But it was sturdy and you couldn't see in it and she couldn't see out of it. But as we were processing through, it became this wrought iron fence. She could still see in and out, but it was sturdy and it was far away from the home. There was a lot of yard in between. So if she let someone in the gate, she still had this protection of saying, you know what, I'm going to let them go into the garden or I'm going to have this sitting area over here where she didn't have to let them into her inmost secrets and inmost parts. And then from there, it got closer and closer to her house. And it was just so interesting because I do think there are different levels of boundaries. And it doesn't have to be this all or nothing. I can trust this person with everything or I can't trust him with anything. But there are people you can trust with a certain level of vulnerability. And then there's another maybe inner group of people where you can trust with even more. And then there's others where you can't trust them with that. So it doesn't have to just be this wall and a gate and they're either in or out and they know everything about you or they know nothing. But kind of that picture of you still have the yard area. Maybe there's a garden area. Maybe there's a sitting area. 
as you trust people, you can let them a little closer and closer to your home. I also think people develop an unhealthy expectation that if they're the right person or if they're a good person, they will never hurt me. And the truth is, no matter how good that person is, no matter how maybe right for a relationship they are for you, everybody's going to hurt you at a certain point. And a part of relationships is understanding that and forgiving when it does happen to a certain degree, right? There are some people who it's like, hey, listen, okay, this happens too much or too frequent. You are an unhealthy person. And so that's somebody that you escort out. But just because somebody hurts you once or does an act that causes you not to feel very trusting towards them doesn't mean they should automatically be excommunicated from your life. But what it does mean is that then you keep a more close, full, watchful eye on that person and say, okay, I need to assess them a little bit further. And then if you find out that, okay, it's on a relatively rare occasion that they might hurt me or break my trust, then that's a normal, healthy relationship because you're never going to find somebody who's never going to hurt you or who's never going to break your trust in some way, shape, or form. That's just a part of the dynamics of being in relationships with human beings. If you don't have that level of expectation there and your expectation is that they should interact with me and be wholly trustworthy the entire time without ever breaking it, that's when you're going to end up in this place where you're very lonely or you get very deeply wounded or shocked when somebody does break your trust in some shape or form. I think another thing to be aware of, too, is that if you develop this negative belief of I cannot trust anyone, this didn't happen for Jennifer in her vignette, but this can happen for people sometimes is that because they believe nobody is trustworthy, then you yourself might start acting in an untrustworthy behavior as well because you just identify this is just the way the world works. Everybody lies, everybody cheats, everybody steals, everybody's out to screw you. And so then you can just adopt that as this is how I should engage and interact with the world. But that's an unhealthy thing to adopt. That's swinging the pendulum to the extreme in the other direction, where now you are then abusing people in the same way that you were abused. And then you're perpetuating this hurt versus understanding, hey, this happens on occasion sometimes with some people, and some people it happens more with, and I'll distance from them, but I don't want to perpetuate this hurt on anybody else the way that it was perpetuated on me. So if you find yourself in that position where you're like, I'm not going to trust anybody, I'm going to do whatever I want because that's what everybody else does, you're perpetuating that original hurt that happened to you onto other people. And so understanding that, okay, that's not a good, healthy reaction to this, and then working at managing the thoughts or desires that are bringing you in that unhealthy direction. So throughout her life, the belief that Jennifer had manifested as barriers, protective mechanisms to keep her safe and potential hurt at bay. But those same barriers often kept genuine connection, intimacy, joy, all of that, all the shared experiences just out of reach for her. So it is easy when you get hurt to think, see, I can't trust anyone especially if it was your best friend or maybe a parent or someone that should have protected you, but instead they really hurt you. It's easy to now apply that to all of your life. But just remember when you do that, that protection serves its purpose for a little bit, but at some point it prevents you from experiencing so much more in life. So we took a little bit of a different approach for these last two episodes. We hope you guys really enjoy it. If you really like the process where we run through these vignettes and we use this to help explain a concept or an idea to you, we'd love to hear about it. You can join our Facebook group. It's in the link in our description below. Also, if you really didn't like this format, we'd also like to hear that as well. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. 
If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.